Oh, I was Alex. I was going to say my my complicated user interface me to sound effects that I can play. Oh, nice. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just waiting for actually. I have no idea what sounds these are making because I don't have my headphones pressing buttons. Has like a magic wand sound. <laughs> Something scary. Anyway, I'm just waiting for the pedumps. Oh, there's one of those too. I don't know which one it is. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to end up using that at a very inopportune time. <laughs> so someone's going to come up on the stage and say, I just had such a terrible week, you know, I'm struggling. And you're just like... <laughs> okay, okay. I really think we should kick things off. Um, let's see, we've got 42 people here. Welcome, everybody. It's so great to have you. This is the weekly fireside chat we host here at Scrimba every week, every Tuesday at this exact time. If you're needing something like a calendar invitation or a better idea about what's going on here at Scrimba, check out your dashboard. We run events most days of the week to help you become a better developer and succeed at your goals, whatever they might be. Normally in this fireside session, we kind of pick a topic that we think is going to help you become a better developer. And we talk about it quite casually. That's why it's called the fireside. We sort of sit around the metaphorical campfire and just have a chat. And then in the text chat, which you can hopefully see, you can sort of ask your questions or chime in. Today, we're gonna to switch things up a little bit. You might see that this event is called the Scrimba Town Hall. And the idea is that we don't have any particular fixed topic, but there's quite a few of us from Scrimba here today. And we're hoping to answer all your questions that you might have about Scrimba, including the platform, the courses, the community. And of course, if you have questions about learning to code and anything else for that matter, we'd be happy to consider it as well. I'm really excited for everybody on the stage to introduce themselves in a second. But before we do that, I just really want to draw your attention to the Fireside Chat text channel. So if you can hear me right now, if you're tuned in just above this channel in Discord, there should be a text channel. That's where you can ask your questions and chime in if you have any comments. Just, just to make sure it's working and to make sure you're all alive and well. It'd be awesome if you wrote hello or hi or something to that effect in the channel. And if you can, let us know where you're from too. It's not that we really exactly have to know, but I just think it's so awesome how diverse the Scrimba community is nowadays. We have members from all over the globe. Okay, so just to recap, this is a town hall type event where you can ask your questions about Scrimba. Could be about the platform, the community, the curriculum, but you're also welcome to ask questions about learning to code or finding success as a developer. We're gonna take a turn to introduce ourselves in a second. So you'll have plenty of time if you need it or want it to think about and articulate any questions. And as I say, if you have any questions at all or want to comment on something, just pop it in that fireside chat text channel. I can see a lot of people flooding in now, which is, which is awesome to see. So while you have a little think about what you'd like to know, I would love it if we all took a turn to introduce ourselves. And I was thinking just to make it fun and interesting for people, maybe we can each take a turn answering the following. Really simple. Just first of all, what our role is and what we do at Scrimba. I don't think this one will apply to you, Per, but for the rest of us, I think it'd be cool for people to learn how we first discovered Scrimba. And finally, just for fun, I'd love to hear what your favorite and least favorite programming languages are. And just to keep things simple, I'll, I'll sort of call people out to, because I think the order of the usernames on Discord looks different on different people's screens. So I'll just keep it simple by, by calling each person out. Maybe Bob, you can kick us off. And, and there's a few prompts there. So if anybody needs a reminder, I'll be right here. Sure, so uh, my name is Bob Zerol. I'm the head of education here at Scrimba. 
And I first found Scrimba, I think I ran into pair, probably like most people in the early days, I ran into Pear's uh, CSS Grid, or maybe it was the Flexbox course. And um, I was working at a as the head of education at a boot camp at the time. And the platform seemed really promising. We were um, considering a, a move to something more digital. And so um, at the time, it was a little bit rough around the edges. And I, I remember telling my wife, like, this platform looks like it has a ton of promise, but it's not quite there yet. And then um, probably a few months later, I, th I think I tried it again, and it was it had improved quite a bit. I reached out to Pear uh, via email, and then he we started a conversation. They need reactors, and so I uh, I recorded the uh, the original free React course, and have kind of had a relationship and a back and forth um, with Krimba ever since. Just quickly on that topic. Um, that, that sounds like a very interesting place to start. And it, seemed, it sounds very relevant to what you've been working on lately as well. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've now finished uh, the complete re-record of that course. So that, that course I released in 2018, it was just before uh, React Hooks came out. And so React has changed quite a bit and I've spent the last about four months re-recording the course and it's uh, a significant improvement over the original. People like the original, I think people are gonna um, love this new course. And what was your sort of favorite and least favorite programming languages? I, I mean, I've the only languages I've really worked in are Python and JavaScript. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'd probably give an edge to Python. I like the the syntax. I'm a bit OCD with my coding in terms of all the indentation. Python really scratches that itch for me. Um, I don't know that I have a least favorite, probably because maybe PHP only because I've, but I've only worked a tiny bit in PHP and I just, I didn't love it, but I probably didn't give it a fair, fair shot. Fair, fair enough. Pa, maybe you could go next. Hey. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it, just adding to Bob's story there uh, with, with his React course, he reached out to us and actually uh, at the time he was creating this React course and, and, and I, <gasps> I felt that he was taking far too long creating it. He was making it bigger and bigger and bigger uh, and, and growing the scope of it. Uh, because at the time we were only re uh, releasing one hour courses and his course turned out to be five hours. So, so I remember being a little bit annoyed about, about the scope of the course. Uh, but <laughs> what happened afterwards was that Bob was just so right in terms of how much time we needed to take in order to teach people uh, about React on our platform. And, and that course is actually uh, the course that really propelled Scrimba to the next level. So, uh, and really gave us like the first time around, we, we were able to rank highly on Google, for example. So um, just uh, adding to the importance of, of that uh, uh, day when Bob uh, discovered Scrimba. Yeah, um, but uh, the question, um, first, uh, how I discovered Scrimba, uh, let um it was actually, I actually did that because I was not the inventor of Scrimba, as not all of you know, might know. Uh, it's my uh, colleague uh, or our colleague, um, Sindra, 
who is our CTO, who actually created Scrimba. And I remember the first time I saw it was at a pizza shop in Oslo when he showed this demo of um, uh, of this interactive tutorial format, which he had created because he was so frustrated about creating regular video tutorials for his self-made programming language called Imba. And just, I, I remember being mind blown and thinking, holy shit, th th this this is amazing uh, and, and should be used to, to do much more than just teaching people Imba. And luckily, luckily it does. Um, yeah, so that was how I um, discovered Scrimba. Um, and then finally, programming language. I, I'm like Bob in the sense I actually only just know Python and um, JavaScript. So, and, and I, I like both of them. Uh, but I do remember when I was learning to code myself, I took this Coursera course, uh, which um, is about machine learning. And it forced us to use uh, what is called Octav. Octav. Uh, actually, I'm going to share the link in the in the fireside chat so that you all can see it if you want to check it out. Uh, and that was yeah, it, it it's kind of a variant of of uh, or I think it's more or less the same as MATLAB, uh, and it was just uh, horrible to work with. Uh, and I was so glad when I could find machine learning tutorials in Python instead. So, so Octave has to be my least favorite programming <laughs> language. And yeah, between Python and JavaScript, I think I will say, um, I will say JavaScript uh, is my favorite because of the, the utility you can be used in so many different, um, different environments, front end, back end, IoT, everything. So yeah, <laughs> Michael, I can see he loves Octave. That's weird, Michael. Yeah, I did that course and I was like, oh, it, it's like open source free version of MATLAB. That's great. And I really enjoyed the course. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that is true uh, uh, because MATLAB is actually closed source, which is just weird uh, these days, I think. Yeah. So oh, uh, well. you said that, you know, uh, the programming languages, you know, are JavaScript and Python. Does that mean HTML is not a programming language? <laughs> well, uh, uh, probably not. No, not a. Pro I wouldn't call it a programming language. It is coding, yes, but uh, not a programming language. Um, but uh, I would CSS could be called a programming language uh, in some sense. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I omitted those two. No, no, fair enough, fair enough. I'm just teasing a little bit. I feel, I feel like this debate comes up probably too much. Like, I don't think it's as important as people sometimes make it out to be. Yeah, it doesn't feel that productive to, to discuss for hours and hours. But I reckon some people like it just because of the discussion itself. Mm. So, so Michael, favorite programming language? Octave, maybe? I, I guess we'll find out. Maybe you could go next. Yeah, sure. Um, no, I don't think my favorite pro. I, I think my favorite programming language is probably JavaScript. Um, I I just like how quirky it is, and uh, it gets so much hate uh, that I don't know. It just it just appeals to me. But I I like to read it. Uh, it's fairly straightforward, you know. Lots of and it's it's kind of like English, you know. You you can get by with knowing just enough, and everyone kind of speaks it. So yeah. I like it in that way. Uh, Octave is definitely not my favorite. I, I just 
didn't hate it because during my um, uni degree, I was like beaten by MATLAB a lot, so I didn't mind Octave that much. Um, I suppose the way I have discovered Scrimber was uh, oh, just quickly, Michael. What just quickly? What's your uh, role and what are you working on at Scrimber? Oh yes, that's right. So, uh, well, I'm kind of part time uh, with Scrimber. What I do is uh, kind of community, kind of uh, help out with streams. To be honest, I do all whatever people ask me to do, or whatever I take on myself to do. Um, so. Officially, I think I call myself Factotum, kind of a person who does everything and nothing. So a little bit here and a little bit of there. Uh, but at the same time, uh, in my day job, I am a full stack developer. Uh, so that's kind of mainly I kind of advise people in the community how to write backend applications because I just really like doing it. Awesome. I didn't mean to interrupt you too much either because you're, you're about to share your you know, how you um, learned about Scrimber. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was pretty straightforward. I told it uh, many times before, but just to recap, um, <laughs> Pear has uh, published a tweet at some point. Like, I was following FreeCodeCamp, um, and he was publishing in FreeCodeCamp uh, quite often, like his CSS tutorials that uh, he did on Scrimber. Unfortunately, they haven't convinced me to like CSS, but they have convinced me to like Scrimber a lot. Uh, and then I actually have gone down the rabbit hole of trying to dig out the DMs and then the original tweet, and uh, there we are. So he was basically looking for some writers uh, to help him write articles about web development, and I was like, oh yeah, sure, I like that. Um, I published an article on FreeCodeCamp, so sure, why not? And uh, there you go, that's how we met. Yay. Sounds awesome. What, what about you, Leanne? Can you quickly introduce yourself and what you're all about? I can. I'm Leanne. I am uh, one of the community managers here at Scrimba. I do all sorts of things. I do live streams, fireside chats, weekly web dev challenge, even help with the accounting sometimes. Yeah. Um, how did I first find Scrimba? Uh, through Michael, so similar story to what Michael just said. So he was writing these articles for Pet, but then there were too many of them. And uh, he said he couldn't do it, but he might know someone who could, and that someone was me. So I did that for a while alongside my day job. And then uh, last year, I moved to working for Scrimba full-time, and that's where I've been ever since. Yay. Yeah, that's that's, and, um, that's awesome, because... Um... Like between the two of you, you both um, represent like two really exciting ways to to find sort of work at a company. Like in one part, just doing freelance work, like the writing, and then even though it's a kind of unique <laughs> unique circumstance, like knowing each other is kind of a form of networking. So just word of mouth and stuff like that can bring you new opportunities. Definitely, it's yeah. actually quite uh, funny in a way because the first job that I got when uh, we moved to the UK was. <laughs> Uh, Leanne was already working in a place and then she said, oh, my husband is looking for a job and that's how I got the interview and then worked in there. Uh, oh. And I kind of pay, uh, I kind of paid it back. <laughs> yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
Favorite and least favorite. I'm going to talk in terms of what I like to code without getting into the debate about what is a programming language and what isn't. Uh, so I like to code CSS or HTML and CSS. And since doing Pear's JavaScript course, I've enjoyed JavaScript as well. And I haven't done React recently, but I'm going to do Bob's course next. And then hopefully that will reignite my love for React. In terms of uh, what I don't like coding, nothing particularly stands out, I suppose. I've had to, had to write PHP a bit in the past. I remember thinking it wasn't that bad, but it also wasn't very exciting. So maybe that. Yeah, not a lot of love yeah. for PHP here today. No. I think it's evolved a lot. Like there seems to be more sort of um, syntactic sugar and things like that that make it more eloquent and fun to play with. But but I guess it's always, at least my impression is that like Node.js with NPM and JavaScript and all these technologies, they, they sort of led the way and, and they still do to some extent. So it feels a bit strange using the thing that's just been, you know, adapted to the trends and what's proved to be convenient mm. and popular. Um, and then probably throw a bit of WordPress into the mix and it has a bad reputation. Mm, yeah, actually, I've had to use WordPress. So if, if we can include that, that's probably my least favorite thing to do. That was painful. But you're get, getting props here from the chat, Leanne, and the fact that you're a community manager uh, who, who codes, actually. Mm. Because uh, Lawrence is, uh, is giving you the props here in the chat. Uh, uh, never... Uh, Hasn't met the yeah. community manager who codes. Mad props. So, uh, and that's that's uh, on that note. It's uh, it, it's a given. Ev everyone in Scrimba codes. Even the even the uh, our support um, guy Roku uh, codes for us once in a while. It's kind Is of that... a demand for for working at Scrimba. You actually code and or know how to code so that you have that empath empathy for developers and newbies. Since this is a kind of town hall event, I think that's a really interesting topic. I've never, I've never really heard you say that before. Like to work at Scrimba, you should at least be interested in coding, right? That's kind of like GitHub. They, they used, they, they used to, they might still, they make even their lawyers like use GitHub for um, like committing nice. contracts and DCMAs and things like that. That's yeah. actually a really good idea. I think it's, I mean, at some point it might be really hard to to demand that all of us uh, know how to code, but it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> what's it called, dog fooding. Uh, if they don't know how to code, we should send them through some, some uh, Scrimba courses so they at least learn it, because what we're trying to communicate here is that it's not that hard to learn the basics. Anyone can do it. I'm not saying that anyone should become developers, but even though you're a lawyer or an accountant or support representative, you should know basic coding. 100%. Cool. Um, so yeah, just I guess I'll introduce myself last. My name is Alex. I host the Scrimba podcast. I even published an episode today since it's a weekly podcast. So maybe you can check that out. I'll share a link in the description. Also, one of the community managers here at Scrimba. Um, I learned about Scrimba because Per and I collaborated on a course a few years ago, and I, I always felt like Scrimba was just insane, mostly because I'm a self-taught developer and I, 
I, I kind of get the pain of watching YouTube videos. Um, they're either like very slow and difficult to follow. Sometimes you wanted to download the code, but the zip file was corrupt or there was a link missing. And then you never really, you never really knew where you were starting in the screencast. Like you might be jumping in the middle of a project. Whereas for the most part with Scrimba, the beauty is that you watch the project evolve, which, which to me was the best way to learn. And so, of course, when there was an opportunity to reach out and see if there were um, opportunities to sort of help other people who were self-taught learn to code, I, I leapt at it. Um, you know, I've only really coded JavaScript in the last few years, but the way I learned to code was actually with C Sharp and .NET. And I, I honestly feel like I made a mistake. <laughs> like I actually really miss C Sharp and .NET personally. I, I think just for anybody listening, the real difference, the highlight is that C Sharp is um, statically typed, which means if the code compiles and you're able to run it, there's a, there's a higher likelihood that it's actually going to work. You can still introduce logic errors and things like that. And, and I'm kind of torn because you, you have to code it, less so nowadays with the advent of cross-platform and all the rest of it, but, but you largely use Visual Studio rather than Visual Studio Code, which is something called an IDE. It's a more heavyweight tool with more features, but it's also very opinionated. And, and I just feel like there were so many debugging features in the IDE. So if you were struggling with some code, you could like put something called a breakpoint on the line and run through it. And in JavaScript, the only way, like I'm quite decent at JavaScript nowadays, and, and the only way I know how to debug my code is by putting console.log statements all over the place. And, and I swear there should be a better way, but I have not learned it yet. So it might just be, but I've not been exposed to the right things. Um, I'm just going to ride the bandwagon and, and say PHP is my least favorite language as well. Um, I just I just always like the community and the ecosystem around around JavaScript more. Although, yeah, I also tried to learn assembly at one point and that was pretty difficult. So maybe that would be one of my least favorites. I think, yeah, uh, on, on kind of the note of, of how, how you found Scrim, uh, Alex, it, it, I realized that all four of you actually now, now you all work uh, at Scrimba, uh, like either part time like Michael or, or, or full time like the rest of you. But all of you got uh, here essentially by uh, getting involved with the company long before you got the job. Bob yeah. by yeah, uh, and like Bob by creating a course, Leanne Michael by helping out with, with the articles, uh, Alex by actually um, paying us uh, through his other job uh, to create a course. So you contacted us to, to, to create this uh, React chat kit course. And that kind of feels like a, a, a lesson uh, that which we often say to, to our students as well, that if you are interested in a company, uh, we talk about ways you can uh, kind of get into their sphere for example through open source or, or joining their events or in some capacity help them and just uh, the lesson learned from the from these four stories which uh, which i heard now is, is definitely that that works definitely that's why i always recommend um we call it networking but i think we should start calling it something else um yeah just getting involved i guess in um any companies you're interested in or think you could be interested in well, that's that's how I got my job at uh, V School when I was working there. I was a at V School, but they were kind of rough around the edges, and so I um, I offered to help start writing 
some content for them. Basically, while I was still a student, I was like, I want to improve your curriculum because this is not very good. And I just kind of worked my way up from there. That's I awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I agree. I agree. I agree with sort of the fact that uh, networking needs a bit of a rebrand. I guess the way I like to think of it is more like your your sort of surface area, and like the more things you do in public, the more likely you are to bump into somebody or or be reached out to. Another way I kind of think about it is like planting seeds. Like you might just make a connection today, could be with a recruiter, for example, and they might say, sorry, I can't help right now or I don't have a role. But once you've planted that seed, if you can stay in touch one way or another, obviously being sincere about it, you never know when that seed might blossom and, and give you an opportunity in the future. But there's, um, you know, the best time to plant a tree was yesterday. The other best time is today kind of thing. It's one of those things where if you've not done it, it's almost um, disheartening. Like you don't, oh, it takes so long to see the result. I want a job this week. But at the end of the day, most people's job search and, and their pursuit of success, whatever that might mean to you as a developer, can take months. And so sort of, or even, you know, it depends, right? But typically it takes a few months. And so planting those seeds early on, I think, is a nice way of thinking about it. Yeah, like planting the seeds is a much better uh, way of, 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 of saying it. Or uh, as you said, Leanne, be getting involved or being helpful. That's networking, basically. So so we should, in our curriculum, we should really try to emphasize that, that we, we shouldn't talk about networking. We should talk about planting seeds or getting involved or, or, or being helpful. Because uh, I think these semantics matter. Because if you mm -hmm. in the frame of mind of, of networking, you most likely just run around talking about yourself trying to get get on people's radar but if you focus on being helpful well then most likely you 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 get people who are noticing you for for what you are doing for them and and they, they get a good vibe and uh, probably it will pay it back uh, sometime in the future yeah definitely i also think that networking implies that you're extroverted or you're socializing a lot and the idea of sort of approaching strangers or something like i mean this is the idea people have when when you say networking they think about exchanging business cards and you know standing around small tables and things like that but i've, I've often found the better way to think about that is instead of networking think about it like collaborating like find people to collaborate with it doesn't actually matter like if you're good at socializing or not you you have to be good at collaborating and that that often removes a lot of the anxiety for people i find and at the end of the day you'll be working a job to collaborate with people so it's a it's a better representation of what you'll be doing anyway yeah that's a very good point I think I, I have kind of an ultra sensitive um, state of, of dislike against salesy things, like when someone is trying to And that's how traditional networking feels to me, like they're approaching me trying to get something out of me. And I've certainly found a lot more success. Just it's more like friend making. I mean, you go and you don't have to make a lifelong friend, but you can, yeah, just when you're collaborating with people or you're just, if you're asking them about themselves um, and not trying to get something out of them, it works way better. 100%. I, I totally get that sort of um, knee-jerk reaction that somebody's just doing it to get something for themselves. And it works both ways, right? If you approach someone in that respect, they'll probably probably feel the same. So it's so, so important that you focus on, on bringing each other value and that kind of thing. 
Okay, with with half an hour to go, I think it's time we sort of shift our attention a little bit to, to some of the questions that have been brewing in the chat. I did notice one. It's not the most, it's not the earliest. I will try and cover every question, but they may be in a different order, just based on what I think will flow the best. I, I know that this is a question that's particularly relevant to, to you right now, Per, and someone you're collaborating with, um, because Gabe asks if there are any plans on making a course from a tech recruiter for best practices and making a resume and using LinkedIn properly for applying yeah for sure uh, that is uh, what we are working uh, have been working on with randall can uh, canna actually lately so randall if you don't know her uh, she is kind of a thought leader in the uh, tech recruitment space uh, has a ton of experience from it written books uh, and yeah uh, teaches people about these things um, and she has been working with us on a LinkedIn course lately, basically step-by-step step going through all the most important things you need to sort out in order to have a LinkedIn profile that naturally attracts uh, recruiters. Because th this, is, uh, this is such a like step change uh, in your uh, basically um, uh, job hunting uh, game. Because if you if you have a great profile, uh, your uh, kind of your skills scale or basically your your um, your reach scales because you can only play or, or uh, apply for one job at a time. Whereas if you've optimized your profile, uh, tens of recruiters can look at your profile and reach out to you uh, instead of you uh, manually reaching out to every single one of them. So 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 that uh, is a short on only a half an hour going through the most important things uh, which will be launched uh, very soon uh, i don't have an exact date uh, i was a little bit sidetracked uh, last week when i was planning to launch it and uh, i think there are some few things we need to sort out before we launch it but uh, expect it to be out within the next two weeks basically uh, and then uh, the next project that randall will uh, jump on is uh, a resume as as you asked so doing the exact same thing going through step by steps everything you need to do in order to get a, a good resume and and these um tutorials are, are very scrimba ish in the sense that you get a task a specific thing you need to do at the end of the scrim because you know there's just so much advice out there and you can read a whole book about resumes and linkedin but what really matters is if you take those five to ten steps uh, and implement them uh, and so that you um, basically separate separate yourself from the from the crowd and, and get an edge so that's what we're focusing on i would guess that it'll take us at least uh, another month to get the resume course out uh, so hopefully by mid-december we'll have that out and both of them will be launched into the front-end developer career path. We most likely won't launch them as standalone courses, at least not uh, to begin with. But if you're in, in the career path, you will have access to them uh, when they launch. Yeah, I oh, think man. the idea I think the idea was for us to sort of mark them throughout the like scatter them throughout the career path to make them very integrated as a a first-class citizen of the career path because it is so important. Yes. So at the end of each, uh, or, or or at the end of 
many modules will have dedicated career sections where we'll focus on things like LinkedIn, resume, portfolio, uh, job interview questions, uh, places to search for jobs. And we'll, we'll, we'll cover all of these subjects as we build out these courses and spread them out. Though to begin with, most likely the first one or two courses will be added to to module 14, as that's currently where the uh, the, the career stuff is um, is gathered. And then when we have enough to kind of spread it out a bit more evenly, we'll do a little restructuring of, of, of where that content uh, exists. That is very good news for Gabe, who asked the question, I guess, just hoping for the best and probably got it. That sounds amazing. And by the way, Gabe just followed up saying that they're so happy they learned about Scrimba. They've been learning more here at Scrimba than they have in college. That's that's insane. Um, awesome. uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if you can share the, the exact same timeline. Like, it's obviously so great that this, uh, but Gabe asked and it'll be coming out in the next few months. Um, another question, which I'm sure you've been expecting is, uh, and this is by Ilona Gold. She asked, or they asked, if there are any ideas to introduce some backend courses in the future. Yeah, um, and to be honest, I'm a little bit disappointed uh, of ourselves that we haven't been able to launch this uh, yet. Um, but, uh, uh, but yes, we are planning to do it, uh, but no, I can't say exactly when we'll have it because it is really hard for us to uh, create to, or to build in backend support in, in Scrimba because we have to run backend code in a front-end environment, which is kind of like an oxymoron. Uh, so um, we are thinking about how we are to solve it. And the plan is that Syndra starts working on this once he has uh, rewritten the Scrim uh, player, that is the player you watch the, the Scrimba screencasts through, in Imba 2. And Imba 2 being the second version of uh, our programming language, Imba, because it, it was launched just a couple of months ago and has a ton of up, um, improvements. So we need to get Scrimba into or rewrite Scrimba in Imba 2 so that we can run faster down the line uh, because it, it's, a, it's a much more efficient language to work with than Imba 1 was. So yeah, uh, long story short, uh, I hope we will be able or Syndra will be able to start working on backend support this year <coughs> uh, and then that we can have something to show in the first quarter next year. Uh, but I, I don't dare to promise it. And regarding which languages, it, it will start out with Node.js, that's for sure. Uh, and yeah, from there on, uh, I'm not, not really sure what we'll do, but um, which languages we'll take, but, but Python is natural one to, to, to start working on after that. But th there's a lot of things to learn in, in Node and a lot of courses we can create. So um, yeah, for, for early next year, um, Node is the only thing I have a high hopes that we will um, have. Any any sort of idea about who might teach that course? Well, uh, Bob, uh, do you want to teach that course? I mean, sure. <laughs> nice. It does now. <laughs> Sign him up. I'm in. This is being recorded, so we have the verbal agreements. We can, <laughs> we can expect that <laughs> shortly. No turning back now. <laughs>
<laughs> Wicked. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is a question for you, Michael, or at least I'd love to hear your take. Because Joshua asked, in your opinion, what is the difference between a junior developer and a mid-level developer? I would say it's the amount of help that uh, junior and well mid-level developer kind of requires a little bit less help um, and also junior junior developers that are not quite sure which things are right or not and they're also quite a little bit afraid of asking while mid-level developers kind of grow a little bit into the role so they're not as scared of asking questions because they know that a lot of people don't know answers Hey, what's up, everyone? Um, Hope so, yeah, I would say... I mean, that's a really hard question, to be honest. The more I'm thinking about it, there are so many caveats to that. It's it's incredible. Um, but yeah, okay, I'll, I'll settle down. The main one is it. you kind of realize how much impact you can do, and you are a little bit more independent about it. There you go, summarize it. There is, um, I learned about something recently, which I was super, super excited to discover because it actually puts, it pretty much answers this question and gives you so many ideas about where your weak spots might be or your strengths. Um, it's called a uh, engineering competency matrix um, or, or a career ladder is probably a simpler way of, of, of describing it. But basically within companies, and I, I saw this firsthand at Pusher where I used to work, once the engineering team grew past a certain point, um, you know, people wanted to feel like they were being compensated fairly and everybody wanted to feel as though they had a, a clear career progression because it kind of sucks, right, to feel like you're doing a great job but then compare yourself to someone else who, who might be getting paid more or have a more senior title. And so right out of Silicon Valley, a lot of companies, and the one I just shared just happens to be by, by Circle CI. There are a few more out there, including one by uh, Monzo, which is a bank in the UK, as well as a few other Silicon Valley-based companies. And, and basically it sort of lays out all the different engineering levels from associate engineer to staff engineer, even up to principal engineer, which is something you'll find at bigger companies. And, and it really outlines sort of the scope of the work. So for example, a junior developer, one key takeaway from this particular one by Circle CI is that as a junior developer or an associate engineer as they call it your tasks uh, or your code is really scoped to the task like you are delegated a task by a senior engineer the senior engineer chooses what the right task to work on is and what the right technologies to use are and, and potentially give a lot of advice about the approach but then as a junior your your job is to write code with testability readability and edge cases and errors in mind and then if you are a senior engineer the expectation is more that you consistently write production ready code like if you submit a pull request for example there should be a much lower probability that someone gives you feedback and says hey you kind of missed the mark on this one or perhaps you should test it in this way anyway i won't go into the whole document because i sat down last sunday actually or a couple of sundays ago with a coffee and just read it and dived into it and i, and I remember thinking it would be a great way to answer that question so i hope it helps yeah that is um like all of the all of the matrices, the matrices they're pretty good. Uh, especially if you join a company and they already have uh, a matrix like that, uh, it's a little bit easier for you to be negotiating your promotions and stuff. Uh, but it's kind of, you know, it, if we are looking into like the real world, is it does every senior developer always write stuff like that? And you know, hand to heart, probably not. 
there are a lot of really amazing people in the community who like especially among security engineers fabulous people absolute geniuses but at the same time the code they write is absolutely atrocious <laughs> uh, but in their companies, they will definitely get roles of like staff engineers and stuff because of how much impact they do. Um, so, yeah, like do definitely research matrices and uh, how you can improve and stuff. Use them effectively, but don't get hung up on them as well uh, because quite often there is a lot more to it than just the coding aspect. That's a fair point. I think there probably are some like, yeah, everything you said and, and more, including a little bit of politics and things like that. But by the way, when, uh, because the startup was growing and they had to, you know, retroactively implement this, it meant going to every single person on the team and allocating them a level. Uh, and it, it caused a bit of a ruckus to say the least. Like a lot of people were very unhappy with their level and, and so on and so forth. Um, but, but, but for exactly the reasons you described, Michael, which is that, you know, it's very hard to put people into boxes like this and there are always going to be sort of subjective things to consider. Yeah. Yeah, ex- Sounds messy. Part of the fun, maybe. But probably they, probably they, wouldn't, <laughs> probably they wouldn't agree. Um, listen, we've got a few more questions in the chat. I really like this question by Big Nash, who, who simply asked if the panel could speak a little bit about the mindsets for learning anything new. And obviously when I saw that question, I thought of you, Bob, since I know this is something you thought deeply about. Yeah, I. Um, it feels like it's tailored to the course that I'm releasing because go off on a long diatribe on this. Um, but my my learning philosophy is that anytime you're trying to learn something new, the easiest way to do it is to do it the hard way. And what that what I mean by that is that you there's no shortcuts around around learning something, um, especially if you want to get good at it. So practice is really what it comes down to. Um, and getting with coding, getting your hands on the keyboard as much as you possibly can is the only way to do it. And I've, you know, people are probably tired of me saying this, but the analogy I always think of is we we already intuitively know that if we're learning the the piano or violin or a new language, um, you you can't get by by just watching someone else do it. And that's the the crux or that's the that's how tutorial hell works where you just watch other people do it and you feel like you're learning and getting better at something, but then you open up an editor and are completely lost. And, uh, and so the mindset that you need, first of all, uh, if anyone hasn't read growth mindset, um, I highly, highly recommend it because it'll teach you that you are, you can be good at things basically by thinking about it, like being, or, or convincing yourself that you can be good at them. Um, but the other the other thing that I usually like to cover is that in school, at least in the U.S., I can't speak to outside of outside of the United States, but here, school very much trains the students to learn in order to get a grade, to get a good grade, um, not to learn for the sake of learning or to learn to get good at something. Um, and I think it's difficult to, I can, I'm not saying schools are doing it wrong, but I, cause I think it's really hard to convince someone to get good at something when they're not intrinsically interested in that thing. So we get to sit on, you know, a, a really good, 
kind of like the high ground at Scrimba because people come to Scrimba with intrinsic interest in learning to code. Um, and so, but, but we have a job to untrain people's perceptions of learning where they are not here to get a grade. They're, they're not here to seek approval from someone. The only, the only approval that they need or that they, that they might get will be constructive feedback to help them get better at their craft, not to give them a grade and give them a certificate. I'm always, I know that you know, we have a certificate program, but I'm always a little bit cringed. Uh, like I always cringe a little bit when someone's like, um, will I get a certificate at the end of my time at Scrimba? <clears throat> and it's like, sure, let me sign a little piece of paper for you. But it means nothing unless you've actually learned something. Um, and so anyway, I, I could talk for hours <laughs> on the failings of the modern education system and how it needs to be improved with uh, incentives. But but yeah, that's the the mindset needs to be you're you're here to get good at something and you have to practice it as much as possible in order to do so, not to get a, a grade. Here's a tough question for you. You know, when you're learning, how how do you know if you're making progress? Because I, I guess that's not so easy. And if you don't, you know, you don't if you don't feel like you're making progress, that's probably quite a tough thing. Yeah, I mean, um, that's that's a question that we've actually are are starting to address in the front end developer career path because in so in this new React course there are what we call projects. Um, we debated about the name of that. We used to call it self assessment, and it's because it was a project that we give you um, without holding your hands. We take the training wheels off and say, we're not going to walk you through this project like we do every other project. Because it's no matter how much goading we do to get people to write code themselves, it's very easy to just hit play and watch us solve it for you. And so the idea of the solo project is that we're not going to do that anymore. Um, of course, people could skip it if they want, but they're only hurting themselves. And so when you open up your editor and you see a blank screen, um, you know, are you able to then get started? And if, if so, then you've been learning. Um, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have to reference anything. That's, you know, senior, the most senior developers are using Google every day, but it, it does mean that you don't feel a complete sense of, of, uh, disorientation. Um, <clears throat> so, so yeah, these, these kinds of projects, um, it doesn't have to be something that we assign to you. Um, but, you know, even in a course that doesn't have solo projects yet, that's one of my tasks is going to be introducing these solo projects throughout the career path. But deleting the code that the instructor just did, taking it upon yourself, everything, and try to do it again from scratch, it takes some serious initiative, and it's really scary to delete a whole page of code. But that's a great way to, to know, to gauge your own um, progress. Oh, so self-assessment projects are becoming uh, solo projects. Yeah, we decided to change the name to solo projects as um, we're also working on ways to have uh, community assessments, um, code reviews amongst the communities that like making oh. it easier for people in this community to share their code and get feedback 
and code reviews from other people in the community. Is this um, is this something that's so self assessment was a bit misleading? I see. Of a name. Is this in the career path already, or can people look forward to it soon? The first uh, the first solo pod projects are going to be in this React course. Um, nice. Somebody asked when it's going to be released. It's releasing in two days, so on Thursday. Um, <clears throat> but the, uh, the the that will have the first solo projects. We'll introduce, and then I think our um, our dev team is working on ways to really deeply integrate the the idea of code reviews into Scrimba. So I don't I don't have an ETA on that. Um, Pear might have a better idea. Yeah, basically we we can't uh, we we don't have any set dates for that, uh, but we're working on it and wanna wanna get uh, get that implemented into the career path first, uh, then on the solo projects. So that essentially, when once you've coded up a solo project, you hit get review, and what then then happens is that we send that project off to another student who is further down the path than you, and who also knows about this solo project and, and kind of knows the the mistakes you can do and and how how the code uh, or a good solution looks. Like. And then that student, the 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 advanced student, will will provide feedback back to you. I think it'll be epic uh, once we have it. But uh, yeah, it's also a few months down the line. Yeah, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to out us or anything, but it's too exciting <laughs> to hold in. <laughs> no, no, we we should share everything here in this fireside uh, uh, town hall. So, uh, and if people have suggestions for how we should build out some of these things, please uh, share whatever thoughts you have with us. It'll only get better if we get feedback from people. Am I understanding that right, Pad? The idea is that if you are a newer student, you can receive feedback. And if you are growing as a developer and you're more experienced, you can then offer feedback, which in its own way is going to help you become even better, right? As you have to think critically about the code and communicate what's happening with it and where it can be improved. Yes, exactly. It, it trains you to the really important part of any developer job, which is to give do code reviews to to look at pull requests and give your feedback. So it's it's kind of a win win situation where the newbie student gets uh, uh, good feedback on their code and the advanced student gets important practice for their uh, first job. And we're thinking about ways to 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 motivate people to actually do this. Uh, and and that's like an unsolved problem, or at least in in our. Um, uh, I mean, people have solved these this kinds of peer-to-peer -peer in other um, tools and, uh, for example, Stack Overflow or Duolingo. But how we solve it here at Scrimba will be, uh, it'll be tailored to, to our platform. Uh, and it's an open question of how well that will go. But yeah, the idea is to, to match them together. It is remarkable how many, when you think about it, how many developers like volunteer their time to answer questions on Stack Overflow? Like it, it's such a key part of their whole website because if nobody was uh, willing to to contribute and everybody just wanted to ask and take, essentially, um, it never it never would have worked. And and so I guess like one way they do it is with like badges and reputation and things like that. We we know this, of course. I just wanted to extend to the chat. Like I'm kind of curious to hear from you listening. Like what kind of things could we do at Scrimber to motivate you to 
do things what, you know, I genuinely think that answering questions on Slack Overflow helps you ultimately, um, but it, it, there's a bit of a hump to get started and the reputation and badges and things help people, I think, get over that hump and they normally enjoy it and keep doing it. But my question to you guys listening is, you know, what things can we do to incentivize you here at Scrimba? You might have noticed we deployed the Karma system recently. I've, I think that's going pretty well. Like see, people seem to be engaging with it and it's super fun to earn reputation points. If you get 200, I think you can redeem a hoodie, like a Scrimba branded hoodie, which is super exciting, I think. Um, but yeah, any other ideas would be, would be awesome. Just, just while you consider that, I have another question from the chat and I'd, I'd love to address this one to you, Leanne, if that's okay. Because Mostev asked mm -hmm. if we have ever thought about a community games, for example, getting a few users together, separating them into teams, and then they could work on a single repository to get the task or challenge done. Um, Mostev feels like it would be a great way to get the feeling for, for working in a dev team. Yeah, we've actually done a couple of things like that. So the first thing we did, uh, we had the first JavaScript cohort, which was basically an arrangement where you sign up and you pay a flat fee and then you go through pairs JavaScript course together, but you get um, extended topics and two meetings a week with your group. And that went really well. People said that they benefited from it and they have their own channel here on Discord and they're still using it, even though this was probably I don't know, four months ago now. Um, so that was really good. And some of them collaborate on the weekly web dev challenges. And yeah, I think they've made some really good connections in that. And we also had a while ago, um, some kind of teams which were uh, run by one of the community members at Scrimba. So there was red team, blue team, green team and orange team, and they all had to make I think they were making slightly different things, uh, but they had a deadline and yeah, they were using GitHub to collaborate and just kind of getting that practice in for working as a team. And then I suppose the most recent thing we did along those lines was Hacktoberfest. So people were able to contribute to uh, the weekly web dev challenge submissions page. And there were, I think in the end, about 60 pull requests oh, no uh, throughout the whole of October. So that was... That was good for me as well, actually, because did, I was did able you say to six? practice. Sixty. Sixty. Yeah. <laughs> it a lot. It was really good. Um, so yeah, we do do things like that, and we are planning to open study groups soon as well, which will be similar to the um, JavaScript cohort, which I explained um, a bit earlier. Yeah, so that's going to be coming, I guess, early next year, cool. hopefully. Is it is it fair to say that there is there has never been a better time to be a Scrimba student, because there is a React mm. course imminent by Bob. Then there's Randall's updates to the career path about resumes and LinkedIn. There's also the introduction yeah. introduction of solar projects coming and later being integrated. And then even though we can't put timelines to these things, like there are some really exciting ideas brewing around giving collaborative feedback. Um, as well as potentially back-end support at some point next year. I'm just saying, I think 2022 could be a pretty pretty great year for Scrimba. What do you think? I agree. I think it's a really exciting time because we've kind of, in my view, got 
the groundwork of Scrimba done. So now we can focus on really padding it out and improving the community and coming up with all these new ideas. And we have a bigger team now as well. So yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and on, on the tech side as well, it is massively different now than how it used to be. Because actually uh, the last couple of years, uh, Syndra has been working on Imba 2.0 for the most uh, part. Uh, and he, he's gotten a second child and there's been digressions. He hasn't been able to contribute as much to, to the Scrimba uh, project uh, or code base as we wanted him to. Uh, so basically, Froda has been the only developer time uh, through the period on, uh, on the Scrimba code base. So we basically had one developer. And to be honest, he has had tons of other responsibilities as well. So I would actually estimate that the last year we've had um, 50% uh, part-time developer working on developing Scrimba. Uh, now we have uh, hired Abdella, uh, Matthias, and Syndra is done with Imba2. So it's fully back on Scrimba.com. And Froda is coding as well. So we've gone from basically half a developer to three and a half developers on the platform. And so, so, so the innovation you will see technical uh, on the technical sides and the features uh, will be uh, like night and day. Man, that's so exciting. And I'm super excited. <laughs> Fair play to Frodo. I've never really thought about it like that, but that, that man does a lot aside from coding until recently. Yes. <laughs> Fair play, fair play. Uh, just one, we have to wrap up now, but just one quick question. Going to be really cheeky here, Going to extend you a question from Nacho. Um, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, they're coming up. Anything you can share? Um, yeah, uh, well, we did uh, Black Friday, uh, Cyber Monday uh, year, so I definitely think we're going to do this year as well because uh, people seem to really appreciate that so yeah uh, it'll be on the longer plans uh, we can't really give discounts on the monthly plans because <laughs> once we give away a, a discount on a monthly plan we get uh, tons of people saying hey switch me over to that uh, discount uh, and uh, that just wouldn't work uh, neither technically or financially for us but but giving giving a discount or kind of a a cherry to people who are willing to pick a longer plan for the uh, the Cyber Monday and, and Black Friday weekend. And that's definitely something uh, we plan to do. Awesome. That's great news. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. And, and thank you, everybody here on the panel as well. It's been, it's been awesome to hang out with you all. Hope we can do it again and all of us get together more frequently in the future. It's super fun. And, and I hope everybody got value from it, seriously. I mean, we shared some cool, exciting ideas, I hope. And there's a lot to look forward to when it comes to Scrimba in the near future. Uh, just one last reminder that we pretty much do events to help you become a better developer. I think every day of the week, if well, most days, if not every day. And the best place to find out what's happening is to go to your dashboard on Scrimba, where you can see things like the latest podcast episode in the bottom, any upcoming live streams, and of course the calendar. And within that, you can click in, get your calendar notification, or, or just add it to your own calendar, however you like to work, really. So yeah, please check that out. And once again, thank you so much for coming. Hopefully we'll see you all next week. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, everyone. Bye.